Hello, welcome back to my Two Cents Podcast. This is my review of Crown Jewel. That was a WWE event that happened last night. And my overall opinion on the event was it was a real fun and entertaining event. Really, it gave you everything that you wanted uh, in this card, in this whole program of entertainment. When you watch it, it gives you your matches. It gives you like hard-hitting matches in here. And it gives you your real entertainment matches and when i mean by entertainment i mean by a spectacle in the main event logan paul versus roman reigns was a spectacle but i'll get more into that when i talk about it but to start off crown jewel it would be brock lesnar going against bobby lashley bobby lashley would lose the match to brock lesnar by pinfall when lashley would get brock lesnar in the hurt lock and brock would push off the top turnbuckle to make Bobby Lashley's uh, back land on the mat. And with that, Bobby's shoulders will be on the mat, and the referee would count for the pin of one, two, three. That's how Brock Lesnar would win this match. Brock Lesnar got his butt beat throughout this whole entire match. I mean, there will be times throughout the matchup between Brock and Bobby that Brock would get some offense on Bobby Lashley, but Bobby dominated a good 80% of the match with Brock Lesnar. And to be fair, and I mean this, to be fair, when Brock Lesnar came down to the ring for his entrance, Bobby Lashley would leave the ring and attack Brock Lesnar to start the match off before the bell would even begin. He would attack him around the ring. He would spear him through the barricade. Then he would throw him into the ring. And then that's whenever the referee would ring the bell. And from that point on, Bobby would beat up on Brock thoroughly throughout the whole matchup until Brock would start doing his uh, suplexes, well, German suplexes, and then Bobby again will start finding his way out of those German suplexes and start beating up on uh, Brock again. But in the end, Brock was able to barely squeak out a win against Bobby Lashley. And to me, personally, I feel that even in Bobby's loss, he gained something because not a lot of people can say that they lost to Brock Lesnar only by a small margarine in WWE. In UFC, that's fine. But in the world of entertainment like WWE, and you see Brock Lesnar always in a match, you know Brock Lesnar is usually the dominating uh, competitor in that matchup. You know, in wrestling standpoint, whenever you have Brock Lesnar on the marquee in a match, you know that Brock Lesnar is going to be dominating a good 70% of the matches except for whenever he was in his last couple of matches with Roman Reigns, those were about a good 50-50. But other than those matches, Brock Lesnar usually dominates the match with his opponent getting small to a like average amount of offense in the match. This one was completely different. Bobby dominated until the end. And after the match, Bobby would lock in the hurt lock again on Brock Lesnar and hold on to it until the referees would have to tell uh, Bobby to let go, and then Bobby let go, and he will walk up the ramp. So right now, when it comes down to wins with both men, both Brock and Bobby have a win against each other. Brock with this one at Crown Jewel, Bobby Lashley with one win over Brock Lesnar earlier in the year at Royal Rumble, and we could see the rubber match happen again at next year's Royal Rumble, which only happens in another couple of months, technically two months. But we will see when the time comes about, because it just happened Crown Jewel just happened. We have to see what happens on Monday Night Raw. I don't think Brock's going to be at Raw. So I think Brock's going to take this time to heal himself up. And whenever he's time to schedule to be back on WWE television, I think they're going to pick up right where they left off with 
Brock and Bobby here. And with this, this effectively turns Bobby into a bad guy again, at least in my opinion, because Brock Lesnar is a uh, good guy. People love Brock Lesnar, especially with the cowboy Brock, the way that he's doing his whole thing right now. And with Bobby applying more pressure and attacking Brock after the match, I see that we flipped Bobby back to being a bad guy again. Only time will tell, and only Monday Night Raw will tell personally if he's truly a bad guy. If the fans are going to boo him or cheer him, we will have to see. Now, after this match, we will get the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship matchup between Damage Controls, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky going against the champions, Alexa Bliss and Asuka. But before that match would even happen, Asuka and Alexa would have a backstage interview pertaining to their upcoming championship matchup. And as Asuka and Alexa would be talking, they would be right in front of a screen and the screen would flicker on and it's Bray Wyatt's logo would flicker and it would flick on and off with other type of Bray Wyatt like images flashing on the screen. And Alexa would look at the screen and then she will forget that she's in this moment with Asuka until she had to snap back out of it, continue to talk about the championship match that she's about to have. And then they will leave, go out to the ring, and then they will have their match with damage control. Now, Damage Control would regain the championships thanks to a interference from Nikki Cross. When Alexa and Dakota Kai were both the legal women in the match, Asuka and Io will be battling in the ring, and the referee would try to get them out of the ring. Now, this would be the time that Nikki Cross would come to the ring and attack Alexa Bliss, who's on the top turnbuckle. She's looking to hit Twisted Bliss onto Dakota Kai, but Nikki Cross would get in the ring, uh, chop block Alexa by her legs, grab her by the head, and hit a spinning neckbreaker off the top turnbuckle. And this would allow Dakota Kai to cover Alexa Bliss to win and regain the Women's Tag Team Championships. I did not think this was going to happen. I just thought that Alexa and Asuka would retain their championships instead of losing them because they just literally won them on Monday Night Raw this past week. And for them to just hold on to the belts for what? Only a couple days to lose them at Crown Jewel. I think that is stupid. I think we're playing hot potato too much with the women's tag team titles already. I think that they should have just left them on damage control. That's what we're going to do and just have them have a rematch here at Crown Jewel. I don't think nobody would have complained about it so much. I mean, you would have got some complaints, but do I think you would have got enough? Not a lot. No. I think that the fans would have been like, okay, they're going to redo the match again. And I think with the attic sprinkle that they did with the Bray Wyatt uh, logo at the beginning before the match in the backstage interview, I think that would have saved this match because people would have thought, okay, Bray Wyatt is going to interfere. That is how they could have saved it, but they didn't do that. They just had them lose the match against damage control, which was nutty to me. But fine. Dakota Kai and Io uh, Sky have the championships, and now Nikki Cross is now against her former tag partner, Alexa Bliss. We will have to see what happens more on Monday Night Raw this upcoming week to see if they're going to talk about this. Now, after this matchup, we will get the steel cage match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross, who has Scarlett on the outside of the ring. Drew McIntyre would win the match by climbing out of the cage instead of going through the door because Scarlett would be at the door and she locks the door from Drew McIntyre even trying to go through the door. So Drew would say, screw it, I'm going to climb the cage. So when Drew climbs the cage, and he's on the opposite side of the cage, and he's about to uh, climb down to land on the floor, Karrion Cross will walk to the door. Scarlett would try to unlock the door to the point that 
Karen Cross can get out of it. And as soon as she unlocks the door and opens the door for Karen, and Karen's crawling towards the door so he could leave out of the ring, Drew McIntyre would drop out of the cage onto the floor, and he is declared the winner. Now, Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre in this match, they had a nice, solid matchup. There was no blood in the steel cage. Again, they're in Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure how that whole thing goes over there. Can they bleed or not bleed? I'm not sure of that. Because again, in my personal opinion, I think steel cage matches should have some type of bleeding into it. But again, that's just my personal preference. Um, They did what they had to do here. There was a spot in here where Drew McIntyre was almost about to leave the cage originally through the door when the referee was there and he had the door open scarlet would go over there she would spray mace into the face of both drew mcintyre and the referee holding the door so this would allow the referee to be eliminated at this point and scarlet would be the person just manning the door so that's one spot in here and then you after that you start seeing carrion crawl over to the door he's about to leave out but then drew mcintyre is able to grab carrion by the legs and drag him more into the ring and this will leave both men to continue to battle out in the middle of the ring. This was a solid match between both Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre. I knew that Drew was going to win. I think anybody watching this match knew that Drew was going to win because you need to have a rubber match between Drew and Karrion Cross. I don't think that nobody thought that Karrion Cross was going to win both matches uh, back to back. And even on commentary before the match begins, Wade Barrett would say that Drew McIntyre needs this win. He needs to because he lost at clash at the castle and he lost at extreme rules if he doesn't win this he's kind of at the bottom of the barrel he's at rock bottom and i don't think wwe is going to have drew mcintyre be at rock bottom personally i think they still have some ideas for drew mcintyre and i think that they want to just have drew go through some uh go through some problems so he can have those triumphs in like he did here so i believe that's what they were trying to do here with drew mcintyre so I believe we're now on the triumphant side. We're starting to rebuild Drew McIntyre up so he can have that one big major victory. And for me, I think that we're going to have Drew McIntyre probably dethrone Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. But that's just my idea of where I think this is leading to. But before we get to Drew going against Gunther, I think we're going to get that one more rubber match between Karrion Cross and Drew somewhere down the line in December. So we could have the Drew versus Gunther at Royal Rumble for the Intercontinental Championship. At least that's how I would plan it out. But that's, again, just me. Now, after this match, we will have the six-man tag matchup of Judgment Day's Damian Priest, Finn Balor, and Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley in their corner going against the clubs AJ Styles and the good brothers Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Now, before the match will begin, as the club are making their way down to the ring, Michael Cole would finally say the word Bullet Club. WWE has always stayed away from Bullet Club, actually saying the name Bullet Club. They always made reference to the club. They never ever said bullet in it. So now this is the first time, at least to my recollection, of WWE actually acknowledging Bullet Club and saying the actual name because they talk about how Finn Balor was the original leader of Bullet Club. Then when he left, AJ Styles took over it. That's how they mentioned the word bullet club here also on commentary michael cole would say that carl anderson is currently the never openweight champion for new japan so wwe still acknowledges that carl anderson is still a champion in another pro wrestling organization 
So that still tells you that WWE still has some business dealings with New Japan over the whole Carl Anderson contract situation. I believe Carl Anderson is signed to WWE as a full license, like WWE competitor. I just know that he has New Japan's never championship and he was supposed to defend it at New Japan's autumn battle today. Well, November 5th, the exact same day as Crown Jewel, but he couldn't do that because he had to be at Crown Jewel. So they had to scrap the match. Carl Anderson was supposed to go against uh, Tomatonga's brother, Hikaleo, but with the scheduling being what it is, they had to scrap that, and WWE came first. And I believe New Japan is still trying to work with Carl Anderson in WWE to find out when they can get Carl Anderson to defend that Never Openweight Championship. So, now, with that out of the way, uh, the Judgment Day would win the match by pinfall, thanks to, again, Rhea Ripley. She would play a big major factor in the match towards the end when AJ Styles was going for the phenomenal forearm on Finn Balor, but Dominic would get in the ring and distract the referee, and this would allow Rhea Ripley to grab AJ, put him on her shoulders, and slam him headfirst onto the ring apron, throw him into the ring, and then Finn Balor would hit the shotgun drop kick and then finish off AJ Styles with the coup de grace for the win. So again, we are still having Rhea Ripley be the ace in the hole for the Judgment Day, being their big powerhouse, being their just, their China, if you will. Like, Rhea Ripley is Judgment Day's China. Like, China was the X factor for DX in the late 90s. I mean, that was the whole thing. China was somebody that nobody expected to be there. And whenever she got involved into a match, everybody's like, okay, how are they going to take care of China because no man can hit a woman. And with this still being the case, AJ and Carl and Luke have to find a female to take out uh, Rhea Ripley because if they don't, Rhea Ripley is going to constantly be a pain in their side for the future. And for me, I think that we're going with Beth Phoenix probably coming back to take out Rhea Ripley because before the match will begin as well, uh, Michael Cole would make mention that Rhea Ripley talked to Cole earlier and the hairstyle that she was wearing in the match. Uh, Cole would say that Rhea Ripley is paying homage to the late Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix is not dead, so let me clarify that. It's just basically saying that she took out Beth Phoenix at their last pay-per-view, Extreme Rules, by hitting her with a concerto. So they're saying she put her out of commission. So I think that's going to come back and bite Rhea Ripley in the butt. I think AJ Styles and the rest of the club are going to get Beth Phoenix back here to take out Rhea Ripley for them. And that will also bring back Edge. And again, we can have Edge joining up with AJ, the exact same man that he had a problem with literally at the beginning of this year, which ultimately had the formation of Judgment Day to take out AJ Styles, which is going to be real funny. But again, Storyline, storytelling is all about how you weave it all together to make it make sense for the fans to easily digest it. That's what it all matters to. So I have faith in AJ, Edge, and the rest of Judgment Day to figure out how they're going to weave all this stuff in. I just can't wait to see it because that is exactly where I believe we should be headed to. Because if we don't, I'm going to just look at it like, okay, I'm questioning it. Because, again, we need somebody to take out... Rhea Ripley, and I think with them dropping that little nugget by saying Beth Phoenix, I think Beth Phoenix is coming back. And by the way, six-man tag match, it was a good match. You had Dominic being the chicken crap heel here, being the scared 
uh, guy keep on trying to get tagged in when he has the opportune time to try to beat up on AJ Styles or Carl Anderson. Never Luke Gallows. Luke Gallows was a big guy. He could never take out Luke. But anytime Carl or AJ were like on the mat in a like precarious situation, Dominic would get tagged in, try to put the boots to him. But then AJ and Carl would just beat up on uh, Dominic whenever they had the opportunity to do it. But all the other competitors, Damian Priest, Finn Balor, uh, Lou Gallows, Carl Anderson, AJ Styles, they all play their parts nicely in the six-man matchup. I would suggest you watching it. I don't think you're going to have a bad time watching that match. Now, after that match, you would get Omos versus Braun Strowman, the Battle of the Giants. Braun Strowman would win this match by pinfall when Braun was in the corner and Omos would be running towards Braun. And Braun will move out of the way and Omos with the corner. This will allow Braun to scoop up Omos and hit him with a running power slam to win the match. Again, just like the Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar match, without the early assault before the match happens, Omos dominated a legit, I'm not even going to say 80, no, straight up 99% of this match. Braun Strowman could try to get some type of uh, hit on Omos, but it just couldn't do nothing. Omos was literally like that big old oak tree. Anything that Braun tried to do, Omos would just swipe it away. So in this match, Braun Strowman was literally like a regular size competitor going against a giant of a man. And it's usually always the opposite. Braun's usually the giant of a man going against a regular size opponent here. So Braun had to really be that regular size opponent against a giant Omos. And Omos would beat up on uh, Braun, and he would even stop Braun Strowman's whole, like, freight train, like, running, uh, maneuver outside of the ring, where Braun would go outside of the ring as his opponents on the floor, he would run towards them and just straight up just hit him with a mad shoulder tackle and just truck him down. Whenever he tried to do that to Omos, Omos just straight up just ate that, and Braun just laid up, just fell onto the floor. So, again, a 99% of this matchup, Omos dominated, but then with that one mistake of him running towards Braun into the corner, and Braun moved out of the way, and Braun got him with the running power slam, that was it. So Braun squeaked out a win by the legit bear of his teeth. He really just scraped it out barely. So Braun wins the match. I don't think we're going to get the end of Braun versus Omos here. I think we're just literally at the beginning, but we shall see whenever SmackDown happens. After this, we will have the Tag Team Championship matchup of the Brawling Brutes going against the Usos. The Usos would retain their championships by pinfall when the Usos would hit a top rope 1D, or better known as a 3D for my wrestling historians here. And they would hit that on Butch, and then Jimmy Uso would cover Butch for the win. Good tag team match here. Straight tag team matchup here. This was not disappointing. This was a good match. It wasn't to the level of the Street Profits going against the Usos at Money in the Bank this year, but it was a legitimate good match. This was not something that you need to poo-poo sour face on. When you watch it, I think you're going to be thoroughly entertained, especially with the way that Butch was able to carry himself with the Usos and also Rich Holland as well carrying himself with the Usos. The Usos are a good tag team. They can have a good tag team match with anybody, so giving them the championships, well, not giving them, having them retain their championships here, it still was good for business because now with the Usos retaining their championships, they're going to be defending them against the New Day, 
this upcoming Friday night on SmackDown, and this will be their final test before they become the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history. They will have to get past the current longest reigning tag team champions in history, the New Day. And again, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't care who listens to this. I need this to make it to the WWE's chambers in their ears. As a matter of fact, I'm going to clip this and I'm going to send this to them. WWE, for the love of God, have the New Day go against the Usos and have Big E on commentary. Do not say that Big E can't do fly outs and go to places. He's been able to fly out. He's already stated his home's in Florida and he's able to be flying out to other places. If you need him in New York City or need him somewhere else for college game days, my man has been there. He needs to be there for this Friday night on SmackDown to have just to see his guys go against the Usos in a history-making matchup. Will they, will we as the fans see the Usos beat the New Day to become the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history? Or will we see the New Day crush the Usos to becoming and still retaining their record as the longest reigning tag team champions and also become the new longest reigning tag team champions? I need Big E there in some shape or fashion. I need him on commentary. Screw that. I need him on commentary commentating this matchup. Get it done. I don't care how you got to do it. Just do it. Put Big E in commentary booth for this matchup between the New Day and the Usos. Make it happen. Seriously, because that's going to be a great picture for the rest of the fans and a great picture, I believe, just for the wrestlers themselves. Because you know the history between the Usos and the New Day. They've had a historic tag team rivalry. And I mean, every time they have a match against each other, they are nothing but big old bangers that I believe every wrestling fan should watch the tag team matches and just YouTube search them, go to Cage Match Wrestling and look for New Day versus Usos and watch them on Peacock or YouTube. Those tag team matches are great. So I need Big E there. So if the Usos do win, they can have that moment where the New Day hands over the tag titles over to the Usos as a symbolic gesture of not only them retaining their tag titles, the Usos, but also the New Day handing over the longest reigning tag team championship mantle, that lineage, that record over to the Usos and show them that respect. Or we can have the Usos lose to the New Day and we can just get a good photo op with the Usos in the New Day after that. Either way, that needs to happen. Biggie needs to be there. Make it happen. Make it so. Now, after this, we will have the last woman standing match between Bianca Belair and Bailey for the Raw Women's Championship. Bianca would retain her championship when Bianca would hit Bailey with the KOD on a chair and then trap Bailey inside of a ladder, then sliding that ladder under the bottom turnbuckle, making it hard for Bailey to try to squeeze out of that ladder as the referee was counting up to 10, giving Bianca Belair the win. This match was entertaining and it was fun. You saw uh, them doing a lot of different things. You saw Bailey pulling out weapons. She pulled out ladders. She pulled out kendo sticks. Um, she even at one point, whenever both ladies were on the entrance stage as they were battling it out and Bianca was in a cross face and Bailey just like put Bianca in the cross face and just let go of it. And Bianca had to get to her feet. We did not see Bailey no more on the stage until we saw her drive out with a golf cart and try to run over Bianca Belair. But Bianca would get out of the way. 
drop kick Bailey, and you see them both start battling on top of the golf cart. Uh, Bianca would get the better of it, leaving Bailey on top of it. Bianca then would then drive the golf cart down to the ring, and she would try to throw Bailey off of the golf cart through a table. Didn't smash through, so Bianca had to powerbomb Bailey through the table. Again, solid, great, entertaining match between both of the ladies. They both put their bodies through a lot of stuff, especially like towards the end where you saw Bianca give Bailey a KOD on the chair and it seemed that Bailey's like leg hit a top portion of the chair and it made me worry for Bailey. But Bailey was okay. She was fine. So again, Bailey was fine. She was okay. I was worried. It looked it gnarly, but she's fine. Uh, Bianca is still your Raw Women's Champion. I'm glad to be wrong here. I had Bailey winning that one, but hey, I'm wrong here. So the big question for me is, who are they going to have to dethrone Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship? I don't know. That's a big question mark for me, but I'm going to wait to see who is next in line. Now, after this match, we have Bray Wyatt coming out to the ring, and Bray will let it be known that he's part of a great wrestling family. And he's talking about the uh, Black Jack family, Black Jack Mulligan, his father, Mike Rotundo, his, uh, I believe, his uncle, Barry Windham, and also his brother, Bo Dallas. So, I mean, Bray Wyatt comes from a great wrestling family here, and he will let that be known. He doesn't say, well, uncle, father, brother, but when you do the knowledge and you do the Google of Bray Wyatt, you can see the wrestling family here. Uh, he said that he knew that he wanted to be great, but now... Just great isn't good enough. He wanted to be the greatest out of his whole entire family. That's why he turned himself into a monster by wearing a mask. And he's making reference to the Fiend character that he was before he got released by the WWE. Bray would say that his monster that he created had run everyone that he loved off away from him. And that he realized that he was alone left on an island all by himself. Bray would say that he doesn't want his last image to be of him wearing a mask, being that monster. He says that he wants to write his own last chapter in his book. So that's the reason why he's here. Now, once Bray's done talking again, we would get another video and it's of Uncle Howdy. And he's talking about how Bray just needs to give in and just do it. Keep the mask on and don't worry about the repercussions of people. These people don't love you. So again, we're getting this whole character inside Bray, My Bray Wyatt's head and is playing tricks on him or we're starting to see another character pop from Bray Wyatt's head that we're going to see in live formation sometime soon. We don't know. Again, Bray Wyatt coming back to WWE is still great. It's still fresh. It's still entertaining, but it leaves us still with a whole lot of mysteries that we got to figure out. Okay, are we going to see this? Are we going to see that? What's the deal with Bray Wyatt here? Again, it's nothing but a big question mark. And personally, I'm cool with it until we actually get to see the final product. And if the final product is not good, everybody's going to say something about it online. Me personally, I'm going to be like, okay, well, that wasn't, that was a miss. But Bray Wyatt is a creative guy. So I'm going to take that miss. And I just got to wait to see whatever he has next to offer to everybody. So I'm never too like hard on Bray Wyatt because again, Coming up with creativity for WWE and having WWE actually follow through with your creation is a hard thing because WWE always wants to put their hands on your own creation 
and it will bastardize what you originally came up with. So I'm never ever going to give Bray a lot of crap for his stuff probably not hitting the way it's supposed to hit on TV. So that is always my like preference towards Bray Wyatt. That's always my get out of jail free card with Bray. I'm never going to get too like, oh man, that sucked. Like a lot of people will do. I'm always going to give Bray always that card to say, you know what? He's creative. We just got to see what he does next. Now, off to the main event, the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship matchup with Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman in this corner. Going against Logan Paul. Roman Reigns would win the match by pinfall when Logan Paul would get back in the ring after jumping over the top ropes onto the Usos after the Usos were about to attack his brother, Jake Paul, who was being separated from Solo Sokoa. And once he jumps onto the Usos, he claps it up with his brother, Jake Paul, and Logan gets back in the ring. Roman would hit Logan with a Superman punch, then a spear, and then cover Logan for the win. This was a real entertaining matchup, if I do say so myself. We got Logan Paul doing what he said he was going to do, punching Roman Reigns out, getting that one lucky shot on Roman Reigns, and that one lucky shot was not able to finish off Roman. We all knew that was going to happen. We all knew that was going to be the thing because they were building up so much anticipation, so much hype on what if Logan Paul is able to get that one lucky shot on Roman, which he did, but that would not end, well, Roman Reigns here. And also during the match, you would see Logan Paul actually out-wrestling Roman Reigns at points, and Roman would actually be surprised. Roman would have a big surprise face on his face whenever Logan would actually out-wrestle him in certain points. And that was entertaining because it played into after the fact whenever the match was done, and Roman Reigns is up on the ramp, and he's with his bloodline, he's with the Uso, he's with Solo Sokoa, he's with Paul Heyman, no Sami Zayn, again, no Sami, and he's up there, and they have the whole fireworks popping off back behind him, and he would hand the belts back to Paul Heyman, he would say to Paul, I don't ever want to see him again, and he's talking about Logan Paul, he says, I don't ever want to see him again, bring him back to YouTube, don't ever bring him back here. And then you just see him looking at the championships and you start seeing him having the one to cry face because Roman Reigns at this moment, he realizes that he was a small inch away from losing his championships. The championships as he's been holding almost for 800 days. He almost had it lost to a YouTuber. So Logan Paul was that guy that could have beaten Roman Reigns. And Roman knows that. That's the reason why Roman told Paul, I don't want to see Logan back here. Get him away from me. So now with that, that gives Logan Paul credibility. That gives him something even in defeat that I don't think he would have gotten if he would have won. If Logan would have won, everybody for sure would have hated the devil out of Logan Paul. I mean, the WWE fans accept Logan Paul for what it is. But if he would have won it, I mean, he would have been worse than David Arquette winning the WCW championship style. You understand? I mean, Logan Paul would have been a straight-up villain. Every time he goes into a WWE event, he would get booed, and I mean booed out of the arena, if he would have beaten Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Universal Championships here. But he did not. But again, Logan Paul is a great wrestler. He's a great professional wrestler. He has skills in amateur wrestling. He has credibility in the amateur wrestling realm. But in professional wrestling, this was his third match. 
He trained with Shawn Michaels up to this match, and it showed during this matchup, even though he was going to throw one hell of an ugly super kick. And I was glad that Roman reversed that hit with a Uranagi because I said boo when I saw that. I was like, oh my God, that was so ugly. But Logan Paul, again, I don't like the man outside of the ring. I don't like him off of that freaking video that he did years ago. You can look, up, look it up yourself. I don't like him off of that, but when he's in the wrestling ring and he's doing what all these other wrestlers are doing, they're putting their bodies on the line because, again, ladies and gentlemen, wrestling is choreographed, but it is a form of entertainment that it could go wrong at any moment because you slam your opponent and they tweak themselves on that mat. They could snap their spine. They could snap their necks. They can break a leg. They can break an arm. Wrestling professional wrestling it is extremely dangerous and for logan paul a man that has made money and i mean buku amount of money outside of wwe who's done boxing who's made money off of youtube and social media himself and he comes to do wwe i gotta give him respect for that even though i don't like him outside of the ring i got to give the man respect for what he does inside of the ring and for what he did in this ring in this match with roman reigns you, I was seriously look at it and go watch it, and you will say, you know what, Logan Paul, he can do WWE. He actually can. He's not just a guy that's trying to fake it to do it. No, he's actually putting his body and doing what he do. And you know what, the white boy got hops. He got a lot of jumping ability. I already knew that off top from his days on Vine, but just seeing him hitting a frog splash off the top turnbuckle through Roman Reigns through the commentary table outside of the ring while he's holding a cell phone recording it that puts a lot of emphasis on okay logan paul he has the stamp of approval i believe from every wwe fan especially now since you saw him go against roman reigns in this match at crown jewel so in him losing he actually wins the wwe's fans respect more than anything else so in this loss, he actually won, but he did not win the championships. Roman Reigns is still your undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion, and he continues on with his days of 800-plus as champion. So, with that all being said, what's going to happen this week? I have no idea. I'll be watching the product, and you'll hear from me um, this upcoming Saturday on my Wrestling Highlights of the Week to know what happened on this week's Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and every other wrestling company that I watch on this upcoming week. Now, with this being said, this has been my Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I am I am him. I have a Sunday episode that's out right now as well. You can go listen to that. It's called Finite, and I think you will enjoy it. And again, I want everybody to have a great day. Please be safe. Please be careful. Don't be a dick. Be a loving human being to everybody. You don't know what somebody's going through. So please just be careful what you say to anybody, all right? Now, with that being said, I love you all. I thank you for stopping in and listening to my review of Crown Jewel. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet-sounding voice again. He is I and I am him. I have been G2. This has been my Two Cents Podcast. I love you all. And Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh -huh. Jesus wept. <laughs>